Production support for Soundbites is made possible by listeners and by Coffee by Design, growing a business committed to community and sustainability locally and worldwide. Coffeebydesign.com. Welcome to Soundbites, true stories told by local Mainers and nationally recognized storytellers. The themes are always changing, and the hosts are from all over the nation, but when you hear the name Soundbites, you're in for a unique storytelling experience. Soundbites is brought to you by Frontier Studios and made possible by the generous contributions of Allagash Brewing Company, Frontier, The Press Hotel, Toad Co., and by the listeners of Maine Public Radio. This week's stories were told live at One Longfellow Square in Portland, where the season four finale's theme was Unmasked. Here's today's host, retired talent agent and current seven-time Moth Story Slam champion, Sandy Marks. Um, I love this woman. She is funny and smart and an incredible storyteller and show producer and host. Everyone give a warm welcome to the one and only Sue Schmidt. I've had two careers over my lifetime. One, a jazz drummer, and the other, a crisis mental health counselor. Yeah, those don't really meld in the way that you think they would. Except for this one brilliant period of time when they did intersect during the 16 weeks I was in prison. So a few years ago, a friend of mine approached me and she said, um, hey, what's your experience with the Department of Corrections? And so I went on to tell her that indeed I had been arrested in seventh grade for uh, possession with intent to sell marijuana in the girls' middle school bathroom and had spent several weeks in a juvenile detention facility. And she looked at me and she said, I actually meant what is your experience as a mental health counselor working with inmates. And I was like, yeah, of course, that's what you meant. Just kidding about that other thing. And she said, because we're putting together a program to teach mindfulness to prisoners, and your name came up. Now, anyone that knows me well or has met me for more than a couple of minutes knows that I don't do mindfulness. I don't sit in silence. I don't surrender. These chakras don't align. I've been kicked out of both hot and cold yoga. Proud of that. And I hold the world record for the shortest amount of time in a silent retreat. I made it through the welcome breakfast on the first day of a 10-day retreat, and the instructor came up to me and she kind of grasped her heart and she tilted her head and just very earnestly whispered, I don't think this is your path. (laughs) It's like, true that. So I said to my friend, I am not the guru that you are looking for, but I'm curious as to why you think I am. And then she said, well, we're thinking about melding mindfulness and drumming. And I thought, now that I can get behind. If you find someone to teach the mindfulness, I'm your drumming teacher. So 
So a couple weeks later, I'm sitting in a meeting and we're talking about how this might work and in walks the uh, superintendent of prisons, who is exactly what you would picture the superintendent of prisons to look like. Tall, burly guy, he's got one of those 50 GI haircuts with the flat top, he's got a big tattoo of an American flag on his arm and he sits down at the table and the second he begins to speak, he's nothing like what he looks like. He's kind, he's generous, and he starts to talk about that prison really shouldn't be punishment, it really should be restorative. And instantly I like this guy. And then he goes on to say, so I'm really excited about how we would bring women together in a circle and they would softly pat drums and they would just have these beautiful, rhythmic, soulful patterns and I realize he's thinking of hand drumming and I'm thinking, a drum line. <laughs> I'm thinking steel drums with metal wires across the bottom. I'm thinking of wooden sticks that are heavy and have nylon tips and harnesses that have big metal clips that you can strap on and cymbals that are so sharp that they will chop your heads off. <laughs> and so I explained that to him. <laughs> and he says, well, you know, here's the thing. We don't allow hardcover books in prisons. <laughs> because we consider those a weapon. And so it takes a little bit of convincing, but finally I convince him, no, 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 this is the way that we wanna go. And he says, okay, we're gonna try this. And he had brought in a lot of other enrichment programs into the prison. So he says, let's take a tour. And so we take a tour and we start in what's called the bubble. And the bubble is an office that sits right in the hub of this spoke of a prison. So all of the units kind of can be seen from this hub. And as we're standing in the hub, he starts to explain, you know, I want this program to be open to all of the women, but I really want us to target the women who are struggling the most. And as he's talking, I'm watching the guards drag this woman down the hallway, kicking and screaming and biting and cursing. And as they're doing this and he's continuing to talk and I'm thinking to myself, there goes my target population. <laughs> And he starts to say, oh yeah, that's so-and-so. She's been in solitary for about 12 weeks up until this point. She just got released this morning and now she's heading back. And so I'm starting to think to myself, this may not have been the best idea, but I agree. And the next week we start and I load in 20 drums and harnesses and drumsticks and every single one has to be taken apart and it has to be x-rayed and they all make the metal detector go off, but we finally get inside. And I walk into this giant room, I set up the drums, and then one by one, the units of women start coming down to the prison. Now the prison system in Vermont is probably not unique to a lot of other small states. About 85% of the women who are in prison are there because they have committed low-level offenses, but they're kind of repeat offenders. So maybe they've been involved with drug crimes or theft, and then a much smaller percentage are there for very serious felonies, murder, aggravated assault. And so I don't know who any of these women are and I've specifically decided I'm not going to find out who these women are because I wanna give them the benefit of a doubt. I don't wanna know them as their crime. And that seemed like a great idea until they all get dropped off in this room <laughs> and the guard does this. <laughs> and turns around, locks the door and leaves. And now it's me and the mindfulness coach and 20 women that I've never met. 
And instantly they start to say, I want to play that drum. I want to play that drum. They start to argue about who's going to play which drum. And I stopped them and I said, you know, here's the thing. You don't get to pick your drums. Your drums pick you. And so for the first session, everybody's going to play everything. And the next week, the drums are going to decide which of you is going to play which drum. And remarkably, they buy that. <laughs> and we make it through the first session. And the next session comes, and sure enough, drums do pick the people they're supposed to play. And so bass drummers are steady and solid, and they keep the time and they're calm. And my double tom people like the repetitiveness, but they like to change it up. And cymbal players are very, very even people that very rarely lose their temper until they do, and then it's explosive. <laughs> and snare drummers are just a hot mess. <laughs> and so this is how it plays out. And we start to learn drumming. And the first thing I teach women is triplets, single stroke triplets. And I usually, when I teach this, I have a vocalization that goes along with it. One of the vo vocalizations that I use is Attica, Attica, Attica. I know that's a bad idea. So I change it to pineapple, 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 pineapple. And we start to learn that. And the first week, women start to come together. And every week we do the same thing. We come in, we start with a mindfulness reading. We have a minute or so of silence, which is very, very difficult for me. <laughs> we do about 40 minutes of drumming and then we have a closing circle. This goes on for 15 weeks. And finally, the week before, we're about to have our performance. This is a drum line. These women are incredible. They have come together. Any amount of fighting or disrespect that they had has gone away. I start to hear that my target population has not been in solitary confinement for the 15 weeks that she has been in this class. And as a matter of fact, she's been a leader in the community. And anytime someone is having difficulty, she'll go up to them and she'll just start to tap on a table out of rhythm until they calm down and they follow the rhythm. And so the night before our final class, I'm sitting at home, and I start watching television, and I go down this kind of rabbit hole of watching bad lifetime television for women. I just love this. I'm sort of addicted to it. It's horrible. <laughs> but I love it. And so over the TV comes this show called Snapped. And there, the main character, my first chair drummer, is on this show. And it sends me down this Google rabbit hole, and I look up every single drummer on my line. And I figure out that the women that I have spent these 15 weeks with have done horrific kinds of crimes, to the point where I'm almost sick to my stomach. And I go in the next day, and it's hard for me to even look at the women. And we do our meditation, and we start to stand up and do the thing that we always do before we start to play. And we put our hands together in the middle. And we say, one band, one sound. And as we do that, the women just stop. And we stand there for a minute of silence, holding each other's hands. And I realize in that moment that I wasn't saving them by not knowing what they had done. I was saving myself. Compassion is so much easier when it's black and white, when it's us and them. And so much harder when you have to realize, I'm not any different than any of these women, except for the privileges that I have had. We do the performance, 
It's amazing. These women crush it. The entire prison comes to visit. The superintendent is blown away. He says, that was incredible. Please come back. We leave, and I agree that I will come back, and I'll do this again. About a month later, I hear that the superintendent has been transferred, and that the whole prison system has kind of gone back to this system of punishment. And I bump into one of the correctional officers, and she says, did you hear what happened? And I said, yeah, the superintendent laughed. I said, what's going on inside? And she said, you know, we were really ready for a riot, like we were preparing for a riot that never happened. She said there was just this one weird thing that went down. One night in the mess hall, women started protesting the food, and the food was the only thing we hadn't changed in the prison. And there was this group of women that just stood up one night, and they started banging on the table, and they started shouting out, pineapple, 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 pineapple. Thanks. Beautiful story. All right, let me tell you a little bit about the brilliant Sue, who you just heard. Um, okay, so she, as you know, she can tell funny stories. And her work has been featured on CBS Sunday Morning, The Moth, National Public Radio, uh, WGBH Stories from the Stage, and most recently, HBO's Inspiration Room. Um, is a producer for The Moth and the founder of Say It Forward Productions, an organization dedicated to helping nonprofits, groups, and individuals to use the power of their stories for good. In her other life, uh, she's a graduate professor of clinical mental health counseling at Northern Vermont University and is the mother of two amazing young men who would probably prefer if she stops talking about them when she's on stage. Doesn't surprise me. Um, another hand, Sue Schmidt. Yes. If you want to know more about today's storyteller, well, you're in luck. Let's join our host backstage now in conversation with today's teller. Tell me, what is your favorite thing about being in Maine? Uh, the storytelling community, by far. I'm here a few times a year to do stories here at the uh, Soundbites and also at the Corner. Love it. Love the vibe. And uh, who would you like to share the stage with if you could be with anybody? Um, well, it's interesting that you say that because one person would be Sandy Marks and the other person would be Donna Galitzo, who doesn't often tell because she's behind the scenes producing, but I have had a chance to share the stage with her and it's just delightful. She's amazing. She is. Yeah. Yeah. And you're amazing. <laughs> um, and now, do you listen to yourself after you've told a story and why or why not? And if so, how soon after that story? I very rarely listen to a story after I've told it. Um, because once I've told it, it's just encapsulated in that evening, and I don't generally go back and listen after I've told a story. Uh, tell us some nugget or a detail that's connected to your story, but that won't be in tonight because it didn't make the final cut. Uh, all of my time in juvenile detention uh, will not make it into the story. <laughs> I'll just leave it there. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Soundbites is brought to you by Frontier Studios and made possible by the generous contributions of Allagash Brewing Company, Frontier, The Press Hotel, Toad & Co., and by the listeners of Maine Public Radio. Special thanks also to GWI and Downey's Pension Services. More information about Soundbites, including how to attend a live storytelling event, can be found online at soundbitesme.org. And of course, you can always hear more stories at mainepublic.org. Thanks for listening.